Bees Radio Network. Live coverage of Bees Home Games. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. Well, hello again, hockey fans, and welcome along to the Bees Radio Network podcast. Uh, maybe this week we should rename it the Brexit podcast, because I think both of us might be able to talk with a little bit more clarity about that rather than the occurrences of last weekend, because joining me, as ever, is Mark Denham. Mark, how are we? I'm very well, thank you, Graham. If you're suggesting we could talk clarity on Brexit, we may be the only two people in the country that could, because <laughs> up in London they're not, are they? <laughs> I don't think anybody can really talk with any clarity about it. Who knows? 31st of October, very quickly rolling around. Halloween, for many reasons, it could be an absolute treat. Halloween for uh, the potential Brexit day and a potential election result on Friday the 13th. So it's I, all going very, I very well. I feel it'll be more the trick than the treat, but... Uh, Look at you. Let's not go down that hole. We went down that last week with Rod Stewart. Song, we did, so didn't we? We? We, we, should, we should be more professional than that. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't uh, at either of the games this weekend, or should that be fortunately? I think that there's two trains of thought on it, but Mark once again held up firm, brilliantly on the Bees Radio Network, bringing you the live commentary of the game on Sunday. Saturday, obviously, a, a very promising result, I think it's fair to say, to show that grit and determination to fight through and, and, and get a result and come away with that 4-3 victory over uh, the Milton Keynes Lightning, who continue to try and strengthen their team at every opportunity, with Tom Carlon now signing this week as well. Um, there's claims, there's lots of suspension, lots of injuries. I, I also think there seems to be a bottomless pit of money that they seem to be throwing at it as well. So, But then, obviously, Sunday... How do, how do you try and describe that, Mark? You obviously had to be the eyes and the ears for so many people. It's a weekend of two halves. On Saturday, obviously, the team showed the character to come back and finish that game off from behind within the last minute. That's character, you know, and knowing that you've scored to level and you could be going to overtime, but still have the out-and-out desire to go out there and bang in the game winner with just seconds left on the clock. That's the sort of character that you want to see. But then on Sunday... I would say arguably the first period, other than the scoreline, was very even. Five on five, we were very even. We were caught with two power play goals against. And I will say credit to the Bison, their power play unit looked good, dangerous and effective all night long. But we were caught with two power play goals in the first period. And then when we came out in the second, I did say on the commentary, you know, it's vital to pull back from 3-0 down. It's vital we get a good start. And we got given our first power play which Basingstoke scored on shorthanded. And yes, we did turn it round. We did score on that power play. But I think that that did really have a massive knock because, you know, when you're trying to build momentum, when you're you're in a hole and you need to dig yourself out of it, the last thing you want is more earth shoveled in on top of you. And that's what that shorthanded goal did. I mean, by the end of the game, you know, by the, the end of the third period, we were in a position where all we had left to play for was a bit of pride and reducing the scoreline. So it was a very tough night and it was a weekend of incredibly mixed fortunes. Saturday, the comeback. Sunday, to be fair, by 6-1 down going into the third, it was an almost impossible task. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those, I've said that previously on this podcast, it really is. This season is about making sure the high moments don't get you too high and the low moments don't get you too low. You've got to try and ride that wave. You've got to try and, yep, you're going to get real highlights, which I think Saturday was for, for a lot of people. You're going to get those real low moments as well, which I think Sunday quite definitely uh, is for a lot of people. And it's about finding that way through the middle of it. And as you say, 
trying to build a bit of pride, trying to build a bit of something to take away from the game. And like, I'm sort of, I've, I've been thinking about it ever since it's obviously happened. It's a, it's a raw nerve to a lot of people. You, you sort of, it, I'm trying to compare it to how I, I have to work in business and, and the idea of when something goes really well for yourself as a team, that's when you should be sat and this is my philosophy. That's when you sit there and you look at it and you go, right, why did this work? Why was this a success? How can we make it more successful next time around? And then when you get the low moments, you sort of just try and brush them away. You don't analyze them too much. You don't go into too much depth on it. You sort of go, okay, it happened. Move on. You try and get rid of it as soon as possible so that you can focus on, okay, when it goes right, this is why it's success. This is why it's not. And this is one of those ones where... I think there's a little bit, it's the abnormality in that. You do actually have to focus on this. And I'm sure Doug's been sat going through the game tape. I'm sure the players are going to be watching that game tape as well and and, and getting their own feedback on it. Because it is that moment where you go, look, this is, this is the point. This is, I'm not, this is as low as it probably is going to get this season. Right. Okay. Let's build it back up again. What did we do so bad in this game that ended in this result? And how can we rectify it? It moving forward and it's the same in business like you're going to get real low moments in business and you do at those moments have to go goodness me we are literally at the bottom what is going on why is this happening and that's where you have to you have to make changes and you have to to make changes in your tactics and make changes in your, in your performance and make changes across the board really and you it, it, it's quite funny i think that's where this is and I, I, it's my philosophy in business i know my philosophy is very is very much sport orientated. There's a great book by a guy called uh, Mike Smith, who's a former NFL coach, alongside a guy called John Gordon. It's called You Win in the Locker Room First. And it's exactly the philosophy that they use in sport that you use in business. And I think this is very similar at this point here is, okay, most of the time when you win, that's when you go, right, why did this go so well? Most of the time when you lose, you just brush it off and move on to the next one. But I think this is what this is a game where you actually got to sit there, you've got to analyse it and work out, hang on here, why did why did this happen? Well, I think we've seen some good games though, haven't we? Leading up to this weekend, we have seen some good games. And if you follow the philosophy that you've just shared, then it's easy to correct because you can say, All right, how did we do so well here? How did we do so well there? And then you know, going into this coming weekend with a double home game, so twice in front of your home fans you know, right, okay, so we were successful against this team because we did this well, we did this well, and we did that well. And we didn't do it well against Basingstoke. So rather than dwelling so badly on why we didn't do it well, we just need to work on doing it well. Rather than overanalyzing that defeat, which was heavy and unfortunately embarrassing, you need to go back rather than overanalyzing that and say, okay, we didn't play to our best and we were short in this area, this area and this area. But when we played well, we did this, this and this. That's what we need to do. And rather than why, it's just not so much even why did it go wrong on Sunday. It's what were we doing well leading up to that that saw us previously undefeated in regulation on home ice. And that's what it is. You go back, you look at what made you successful and you repeat it. Yeah, and I think, and you quite rightly say, this doubleheader this weekend could, probably couldn't come at a more perfect time. Yes, it's maybe the better. I'm just looking at Doug's quote from that's gone out in the weekend preview on the website. Yes, maybe it is the best team in the league coming in Saturday night and the most physical team in the league coming in Sunday night. But if all of a sudden all the right, all the wrongs are rec- from Sunday's game, 
that haven't been there throughout the season and the things that we've done right all season long come back to the fore. There's no reason why it's a four-point weekend. And you sort of, you don't forget about what's happened here because the game will always sit there and spur you. Yeah. But you can be, you can reset, you can reset your focus to looking forward. Um, and it, it brings me on to an interesting point people have been bringing up with us um, across the Bees organization is about the idea of uh, player interviews, the idea of talking to players. Uh, for those who don't know, there's been a, there was a missive sent out from the IHA that very few clubs have enacted on that coaches have to be available for post-match interviews and such like. Uh, one, I'm a very big anti-fan of that for one major reason, which is you having it's it's a two-way conversation in an interview. It's making sure that the interviewer is not going to put the coach in a position where they get in trouble. And also the coach being able to control their emotions and every, especially in a sport like ice hockey, where the emotions of the game are a lot higher. If you've got an unskilled interviewee with a coach, you could end up putting that coach in trouble where they're getting distribute pounds. They're getting all sorts of things like that. That's why I think you'll never see us do a post-match interview. You'll get Doug's quote the majority of the time on a Monday, obviously this yeah. weekend, quite rightly, Doug did not make a comment, which I completely agree with. Best way, the best way, you've got to sit, take it, take the emotion out of it, take it as far away as possible from that moment so that you can put together the quote that you see this weekend in the weekend preview. In terms of player interviews, I don't want to do an interview with a player where I'm basically going to them, so you like ice hockey then, how do you think that game went? What's your favourite type of frog? What I'm actually going to say to these guys is, I want to do something that's a bit more serious, a bit more, a bit more reflective for them to talk about because... They've all got interesting stories to tell. They've all got amazing careers to talk about, and that's what I want. I don't want them talking about, oh, how did you? How do? How what's it like when Aaron Nell skates down the ice? I don't really give a damn about that. What I want to know is more about the players, more about that, which is what we're going to do. But right now in the season, it's about getting the fundamentals in with the players. It's making sure that they're delivering the performances that Doug wants as a coach. It's about making sure all of that is set up. So I've got no doubt. Come. End of November, December time, we'll start beginning to do some of these things to the players. It is going to happen, but right now, and I think it does get forgotten about sometimes, the most important thing is winning games and setting ourselves up for the season. We're still doing that right now. We're only, what are we, what, eight games into the season? Mm. There's, still a, there's, st- there's still work to be done there. Once that work's done, we'll start taking the players and having a bit more time with them. But in the meantime, you're not going to see a player interview. Because I do not, I, I just do not think it is the right place to put an unskilled. I'm not saying I'm unskilled or Mark is unskilled, but there are others in the league who are unskilled, and I do not want to find ourselves in trouble or in situations. The thing is that you know it's like those old player profiles that you used to see in the programs dating back to the 90s: name, number, ideal female partner, favorite movie. Does that really matter in 2019? Does that really matter? You know, if you look at some of the interviews that are going around on Sky Cricket in particular at the moment, it's out of season. The um, the New Zealand tour doesn't start until next week. So they're rerunning a lot of interviews that they've done. The Ashes memories, the captain's log. And you look, Charles Colville is, I think, very good at this. He asked the right questions to, you know, to not drag out, but he asked the right questions that encourage the, the player, the captain, whoever, to open up and tell you what it was like in the moment, you know, like the captain's log, you know, like when you were growing up, did you have aspirations of being captain? You know, like what were the challenges? Questions like that, rather than who was your favourite player to captain? What was your favourite win? Thanks very much. You know, like if if, if you're going to conduct an interview with a player 
and people are going to watch it or listen to it, however it's actually distributed, they're not just going to want to sit there and find out that, you know, they like cheese and tomato pizzas and their favourite drink is coffee. They don't want to know that. They want to know the in-depth questions. And that's where the timing has to be right because the players have to be relaxed to be able to be interviewed. And the interviewer has to know what they're doing because as an interviewer, it's your job to lead the interview in the direction that you want. And you did mention about the coaches, you know, and this, that, and the other. And this is no disrespect to anybody, but an unskilled interviewer is just going to go in with the sensationalized questions. And then the interviewee who is supposed to be being led ends up having to lead the interview in order to try and get themselves out of trouble. And you end up with an interviewer who has out of his depth and a car crash interview. That's why the timing has to be right. And these interviews, I know that you've you know put a lot of thought into them and a lot of planning. These interviews have to be right. They have to be with an interviewer who knows what they're doing, who can lead the interview in the right direction, whilst at the same time putting the player at ease. So they're quite happy sitting there opening up just like they would do if you were sat having a chat, you know, over a barbecue or something. Yeah. And I mean, this is quite an interesting point for both of us, because obviously we, from our careers, have to interview a wide variety of people. And it's finding that right way of interviewing them. And it goes from like, for example, uh, I've had to interview Serena Williams, where I think the record I had with Serena for a post-match interview was about 30 seconds. And that included free answers and free questions. Uh, but then you've got to have a different skill when you're sat doing a longer sit down with former players who want to be retrospective about the careers, like Johnny Walker, like Will Greenwood, etc. So, and then from your end, obviously, you know fully well about this because in your roles on local radio, you've had to interview everything from major lo- major politicians to local politicians to just your average person on the street. And it, it's it's very important that you find the right tone for the right person across these different audiences. I think this is the difference between someone who knows what they're doing with an interview and someone who doesn't. In that the, the, the biggest skill, I think, is not asking the question. It's listening to the answer and reacting to the answer. You'll have in your head an idea of the questions that you're going to ask, but it may be you get an answer which trumps your next question. And then you have to think on your feet very quickly and come up with a question that keeps the conversation flowing, because that's what an interview really is, is it's a conversation. So you'll know that you want to ask this, this and this, but then you may think, all right, well, you know what, I'm tight on time and they've just given me this. So I'll ask them a question that relates to that and I'll drop this question that, you know, I don't think is going to get as good an answer. So you have to have a skill to be able to listen as much as you do to be able to lead an interview. And the worst thing is when you get someone who's unskilled is they'll not listen and they'll just wait for the person they're interviewing to go quiet and then they'll ask their next question, which may be absolutely nothing related at all to the answer that's just been given and you've missed a golden opportunity. So the potential for a car crash interview around the league, without no disrespect, is huge. Cheeseburgers. Indeed. Oh, sorry. Indeed. Exactly. Well, listen. Well, it's the prime example there of where you sort of have to, the skill is, as we say, is listening to the answers in order to come up with a maybe more engaging question. And it's not just a problem in this league. It's a problem you see in the elite league. You've seen sometimes it's mainly when it's a home team media interviewing an away coach and it can just cause problems. And I, I just don't think it's something that we should, we should be looking at because as you say, you get an unskilled person who will just needle, nudge, poke, 
do the wrong thing, and that causes real problems because they they just want to point score so it looks good to their mate down the road that they've done this. They just want to point score and say, yeah, I've been able to look at me. I, I got right under his skin. No, it does no one favours. Everybody's job in media output across ice hockey is to, one, help grow their team, and two, help grow the sport. It's simple. It's nothing more than that. And anybody who just thinks, oh, it's an opportunity for me to point score against this guy, it's utter nonsense. It's utter, it's utter nothing. Because it is all about being skilled. And it's important that we will do these player interviews, right? They are coming. They are going to be something. But I don't want it to be just that as we've spoken about, just that player profile in the, the the program that you used to get. I want it to be something a little better. These guys have got great stories to tell. I want to give them the space and I want to give them the time to tell their stories. Right now, the importance is the fundamentals, as it has been since the start of the season. It's getting the team in a position where it isn't a distraction from the team. It's getting to the position where the guys are ready to play and ready to go. And that's what it's all about right now. That's all it's about. So, yeah, I'm hoping by Christmas time, we'll begin to start doing them and start rolling them out and start doing good things with them. But I want to make sure we get them right. The other important thing here is as well, as an interviewer, and you and I are both media professionals, as an interviewer, it's your job to lead the interview. And if you know what you're doing, you'll know, okay, if I ask this question, that's going to potentially get the person, certainly in ice hockey, the person I'm interviewing in trouble. If you are an amateur, maybe you wouldn't know that and you would just think, oh, it's a sensational question. Get a great answer. But then you're risking getting that person in trouble and you're also getting them offside because then when, as you said, when the next request comes for an interview, well, no, I'm definitely not doing an interview with X from Team Y because of what happened last time. So it's your job to lead. And if you end up with somebody who is inexperienced, who's doing the interview, looking for the sensational questions, the interviewee then becomes at edge because they're thinking, oh, I don't like where this is going. They then start leading the interview and the person who's actually doing the interview has lost all control of it. And it's just an absolute car crash of an interview where you end up with the, the two teams offside in terms of media relations. And you yep. could potentially with a, a naive coach as well, you could potentially, you know, oh, well, he's asked me the question, I'll answer it. You could end up with that coach in trouble as well, hauled up before the discipline for bringing the game into disrepute. So I think, yeah, it's a great idea that the EIHA have come up with, but it needs a lot of thought and it needs the right people in place to be doing it as well before it becomes a thing. Otherwise, it's just going to be an absolute disaster, I'd say. And we're getting there, and I think we'll we'll get there. We'll get it right, and I think it has shown this weekend as well with with Doug quite rightly. Doug has done it. His quote for Thursday's game, no problem at all. I think quite rightly there wasn't a quote after the game available on Sunday or or Monday. I fully agree with it because it's emotional, it's raw. You need to digest it properly rather than coming up with a a quick response. You need to do something that's actually a a much clearer, much more clarity, and that's what you've received in Doug's quote this weekend, because looking forward to this weekend's games, of which it is two crackers with, and to quote Doug here, you've got maybe the strongest team in the league and the Telford Tigers coming into town on Saturday, and then on Sunday, you've maybe got the toughest team in the league coming into town in the Raiders, and it should create a fantastic weekend of hockey, I think. Well, Doug's quote shows how much he was hurting from last weekend, and this weekend is, I mean, it's great in that there's two home games. Fantastic. Two chances to see the TSI world, Bracknell Bees, this weekend on home ice. 
But in terms of bouncing back from that defeat, there is, you know, the, there isn't much of a tougher task than there is this weekend. You have the the skill of Weaver and Silverthorne with the Telford Tigers, which has got them to top of the league. And then on Sunday, you have a totally and utterly different challenge. There's skill within the Raiders lineup, but they remind me a little bit of the old Andre Payet Sheffield Steel Dogs. The way that they play is that they have skill. They've got um, Blaslav Novak, their leading scorer. They've got players like Aaron Connolly. They've got Jake Sylvester. They've got Brandon Ailey. They've got Dan Scott in defence. And whilst, yeah, they can put up points, and that's showing because they're on a bit of a roll, they can also hit you hard physically as well. And it's two very, very different challenges. Doug has to get the boys up for Saturday against Telford. And then 24 hours later, well, less than 24 hours later because of the different face-offs, but you know what I'm saying. A day later, yeah. you're going to have to then get ready for the the physical threat of the Raiders. So it's it's a difficult weekend. And yeah, it's great. Home ice advantage on both days. That's great. But you have to see that these are two tough challenges. Two tough challenges that you hope end with four points for us. And you make a very good point in terms of the Raiders team being like, and <laughs> I mean, how do I word this correctly? Being like an Andre Payet side. You remember that Steel Dogs team in the EPL, that very first time when they came out, they were obviously backed by the talent of Ben Bounds in net. And also had the great support of the likes of Janis Oslins up to uh, the young Janis Oslins who tore the league to shreds. Um, and they, they, they were a, a unique look of a team and they got to the playoff quite rightly. And they finished, I think it was third in the table that season, quite rightly. They were a very, I think it might have even been said, it was a very, very good team. And then you compare it to, <laughs> and then you compare it to what, uh, moving on, <laughs> moving on to what it then became. Yeah. when that talent disappeared and it became just a tough and rough and just a horrible team. I don't think there's any other way of describing it. And yeah, they still picked up wins. They still would scare you in matches, but they weren't the threat that they previously were. And have Raiders maybe taken a little bit? I mean, you've done there. You've put a handful of players straight up and said, look at these guys. These are all good players. And then you've got, at the moment, Michael Gray who's in outstanding form in net. It's all... It could be that they're they're just going to look. This is how we think we're going to win. We're going to be that little bit of physicality, but we have a bit of talent on top of it as well. Well, I think with ice hockey, you have to have a a complete roster, don't you? And we saw that with Andre Payet. If we go back to that EPL team, and hello, Andre, if you are listening, uh, if you go <laughs> back to that uh, EPL team, the, the the one that was successful, finished either second or third in the league, got to the playoffs. And they were backed by the the excellence of Ben Bounds. And let's be fair, we've seen what he's done since. And the the excellence of Yanis Ozolins, who was young, fresh, keen. And they were backed by that. But in return, you know, Ozolins was never bothered because he had physical presences around him. He had the space he needed to work with. And it's a case of building a roster that has that physicality and knowing how much to rely on it and how much to use on it. And that's the the, the uh, decisions that Sean Easton is coming to in Romford this season. I mean, certainly yeah. we've had a knock here in Bracknell, losing James Galazzi in the preseason. James is a physical player, and that's taking nothing away from his actual playing ability, but James has always been a player that's not afraid to play the physical game, that's not afraid to stick up for his teammates, 
And he's a player that can make space for those playing around him as well. And that's what helped Yanis Oslins in that year in Sheffield. So it's about, you know, for us, James is making his way back now, which is great. As Doug said, he's not going to be playing, but he's certainly back on the ice and he is making his way back, which is great. And that'll add, uh, you know, it'll be a massive addition to the team, not just, you know, like the points James is going to chip in with, but the fact that, you know, players will be less likely to want to take liabilities because then you're going to have James to answer to. For Romford, though, you know, they have this, you know, they have this mix of skill. And I did say this in the preview that we did back in our first podcast when we looked around the South. Yeah. Romford do have a very decent top line. They have a very decent top defensive pairing and they have Michael Gray in net. But when you look beyond that, I don't think you could say, and this is no disrespect to John, to Sean, to any of the Raiders, I don't think you could say on skill alone, the Raiders are going to go out there, depose the Tigers and come away with the league title, which is obviously why Sean has decided, right, we've got the option of physicality and we will use it as well, um, you know, because we've got players like Novak, their top scorer. We've got players like that. We've got Aaron Connolly, proven in both the EPL and in this league as well, what he can do. But yeah, we've also got players that can play the game physically. So if it comes down to it, why don't we just play a little bit rough? And there's another coach in the league who I'm not going to say would say to his guys, we're going to play a little bit rough, but he had a team that was certainly physical and certainly good. And that coach was Doug Shepard. And he had that in Basingstoke. You look at some of the teams he had, the likes of Joe Greener, Kieran Long, Michael Wales, Matt Tawalski. All those guys had an edge to them, had a, had a physical presence to them. You knew when you played against that Basingstoke team, you were in for a battle, you were in for a game, but they also had the quality to go with it to really put the pressure on teams and score goals. And it's something that Doug like is part of his style of play is to play. You're not going to come into our building and wipe the floor with us. And it is something that that's probably why it's been a particularly harsh week for him is that it basically one of probably his coaching philosophies sadly didn't come to show on Sunday, but perfect chance this Sunday with the Raiders in town. And before that with the Tigers on Saturday, an even better chance to, to make a marker against a team that, as you say, with the likes of Silverthorne and Weaver have got a lot of talent, but also a very good young base, including Brandon Whistle coming back to the hive where his dad made his name as the uh, Super League winning coach here in Dave. And it will be a bit of a momentous moment for the Whistle family there. I'm uh, speaking to a uh, Telford fan and he says, you know, you're getting old in ice hockey when you can remember Dave Whistle playing for the Telford Tigers. And now you're watching his son play. Now, Dave played for the Tigers in the early 90s. So, you know, the, the alongside Sands of Chuck Taylor, a <laughs> name well known to Tigers fans. Is that, and it shows how the Sands of Times are changing. And that, that Tigers team, like, it's uh, Tommy Watkins has put together, a, it's a very different team from uh, the EPL winning sides you saw from Telford. This looks like a massive unit that have all bought into what Tommy wants. And as a result, he's, he's getting the rewards from it right now. And I'm going to be really fascinated to see. What they're like, I reckon they're going to be quick. I reckon they're going to be hard. I reckon they're going to challenge all game long. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what both these games come up with this weekend. See, we have seen, haven't we, a change in ice hockey over the last 20 or so years. When you look back to the BNL, uh, you know, if you look back to the BNL, teams would have imports that were, you know, big 220, 230, 240 pound Canadians, and they hit a lot. And I think now we're perhaps a little more surprised, aren't we, when it happens, because it's not your common 
everyday occurrence. I think the game was more physical in the 90s than it is now. And by that, I don't mean like, you know, slashing and, uh, you know, like penalty calling stuff. Players weren't afraid, were they, to play the body? Players weren't afraid to go in the corner, battle hard. Players knew how to lay a hip check back in those days. And if it came to it, you could see two great big, huge guys dropping the gloves and going for it. And I think that's why it's a little bit, you know, more focused upon now because it's not the norm as such anymore now, is it? You know, we have smaller players playing a more skilled game. And I'm not saying that those guys in the 90s weren't skilled, but what I'm saying is that they are reliant more on their skill than their size. Whereas back then, you know, I'm thinking of Slough, I'm thinking of Joe Stefan, Perry Pappas, um, and guys like that, uh, John Rempel. Thinking guys like that, you know, who were huge physical presences, and yet they still had the skill. In this day, I think we play a slightly different balance, don't we? And it's skill first, physical second, in most cases. But then you get onto teams like the Raiders, where it's going to be a balance of both, and it's about counteracting that. And as I said, counteracting that without James Galaxy as well, who's one of our big physical presences on the ice. There's a there's a great uh, Facebook page that goes around. It's UK Hockey Vaults, and it's always great to go to. And at the moment, they've they've dug up from one of the uh, old Sky Super League games the the best moments so far in the I think it's the ninety eight ninety nine Super League season. And they've done a like the best hits collection, and literally every 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 hit in there, you're going, well, that's a penalty, that's now a penalty, that's now a yeah. penalty, yeah, that's now a penalty. <laughs> like it's just utterly baffling, as you say, to see well, the how the game has evolved. In they? the rules have changed, yeah, constantly the, the game has adapted. But it's it's still funny to watch. You are sat there, like by all means, the goals are still a similar standard. The funny yeah. moment, the like the passes, these. That's all kind of similar, but it is the hit bit that you go, yeah, you wouldn't be allowed to do that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, you can't do that now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you propelled the guy from about 10 metres away into the boards. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. Like, <laughs> it really is just, it's quite funny to see how it's changed. And, and look, don't doubt me, it's very easy to sit there with misty eyes on and go, do you remember it in the 90s? Do you remember? You don't, you forget sometimes in the 90s, the hack and the slash. You forget in the 90s, some of the time, some of the atrocious net minding you saw in the country, like it's a very different. I, I think it's a very different game. Yes, you've maybe lost that physicality, but as you rightly say, I think the skill level now is slightly higher uh, across the board because players are given an opportunity. You don't, you're not necessarily going to step out on the ice and just be physically beaten out of a game. That's been curtailed a bit. If you're skillful, you're going to get an opportunity to show yourself. In the same way in which if you're a guy who grinds and skates every minute, you're also going to show up as a bit of a player as well. There's always heroes, isn't there? In every sport, there's always heroes and cult icons. You know, if you think back, you know, football, George Best, you know, look at how good he was. Look at, say, players like Ian Botham, David Gower in cricket. And you look back, uh, like the great Viv Richards, probably the best batsman I've ever seen live. But when you compare eras, it's always very, very difficult to make that comparison, isn't it? You know, um, because things change and ice hockey is the same as well. Like, you know, a lot of plays that we would have cheered in the 90s and say, yeah, that's great, are now penalties. The game has changed. The game is ever evolving. And that's the great thing about sport is that it doesn't stand still, because if it does, we'd probably all be bored, wouldn't we? On a Saturday or Sunday night, you know, we go to the hive. Oh, that's quite boring. But no, the game evolves. Every year it evolves. You know, like you see 
new exciting talent come through and they can do things that the generation before them couldn't do. And all right, maybe they don't lay those big hits anymore, but they're doing things with the puck and with the stick that other players 10 years ago couldn't do. And you think, yeah, do you know what? It's keeping it exciting and it's keeping it fresh. And it will get keep that way this weekend. I was trying to blend that there. To, did a terrible job of it. Very smooth. Yeah, it, it, we'll just brush over that. But yeah, no, no, it's certainly looking forward to it this weekend. As I say, Tigers in the building on Saturday night. Raiders in the building on Sunday night. Double header. Double header of school zone action as well, Mark, isn't it? It is. So Saturday, 6.15, the uh, the Tigers will be in town. That's a school zone game. And that one has skate with the bees after. So if you are an enrolled school in our TSI world, Bracknell Bees school zone, of course, with AVSS, that's a lot of plugging in that, isn't it? But if you are a, a member of the school zone, then uh, check out Saturday, skate with the bees after. And on Sunday at 5.30, it will be the Raiders, a second school zone game because it's half term. Yippee. So you get a chance to come down on Sunday. And Sunday, there is no skate after, but there is a Halloween fancy dress competition instead. Do you reckon, how, how would you dress up as a 9-2 defeat? Because I reckon that would probably be the most scariest thing to walk into the Hive 2 as on Sunday and would probably win the competition. I'm trying to think I, of how... I think how you'd we, probably how... be thrown out. I'd be on my uh, own again. <laughs> that oh, said, on. if I came as myself, that's probably quite scary. We'd both be thrown out <laughs> and B's Radio Network would be silent all night. I imagine we'll be fine, but I'm just trying to think what would be the costume for that. It'd be quite an interesting costume. But yeah, mm. indeed, no, great work with the school owners ever and looking forward to seeing so many happy new faces come into the Hive for those two games as well. Uh, plenty in the time being as well. Um, and obviously, what is the best way that everybody can keep involved with everything going on at the Bracknell Bees? Bracknellbees.com. That is the website. If you're on social media, Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, you can like or follow us. If you're on Facebook or Twitter, we are Bees Ice Hockey. If you're on Instagram, then it's the Bracknell Bees. And if you would like to get tickets for this weekend for Saturday or Sunday or indeed both, which would be a great idea, Call 01344 789 0 01344 789 and you can book for Saturday, Sunday, or both. And hopefully both of us will be there for the Bees Radio Network this weekend. I'm not planning Well, as long as we don't get thrown out for our fancy dress. Well, exactly. You never know. It might go a little bit wrong, but we sh- should both be there for you all. As ever, thank you very much all of you who support us on the Patreon page. These podcasts are for you, for your support. We do appreciate it each and every weekend. Mark, I will see you on Saturday. I'll see you on Saturday, Graham. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And to all you out there, take care. Goodbye. Bees Radio Network. BracknellBees.com.